What are you doing back on the airwaves? You're supposed to be on vacation. I still am on my vacation. I just wanted to put up the interview I did with Neil at PinQuest. It's been a couple weeks since I talked to him, and I want to air that for you guys on this episode. Of course, before I do that, I'm going to talk a little bit about the pinball news I've been reading. Just a little bit. I haven't been on Pinside very much. I've been in Vegas. Vegas, baby. Vegas has this amazing ability to make each day feel like a week of your life has been taken from you. But not just like a week, a week in which you're eating incredibly large meals, drinking a ton of alcohol, and gambling your pinball fortune away. But we had a great time. I went for work. It's always better when it's a free trip. It's always better because you can gamble with money that it would have cost you to actually get there. Okay, but here's the deal. Let's go over a few news items, and then we'll air the interview with Neil. How does that sound? All right, so news item number one that I thought was really cool. George Gomez sent a Deadpool buyer a signed letter with a katana blade, like a a life-size katana blade uh, that I also believe was signed and numbered, and I thought that was super, super cool uh, that they did that. We We saw some Facebook posts a while ago in which we saw him signing the blades. I, I love this. Someone who bought an LE immediately responded and said, this is BS. I bought a $9,000 Deadpool and I didn't even get this. I just get a stupid record. And someone who just buys a Deadpool Pro gets the signed Katana Blade. And I want to tell that person, I don't think your cries are warranted. This is cool. Like I wish more and more pinball companies would do this kind of surprise and delight stuff for their buyers. And Stern does this pretty well. After a game has sort of lost a little bit of its momentum, they make a, a change or they start inserting some, you know, little Easter eggs or surprise and delight items uh, to the buyers. You know, sort of like how Batman people were getting signed cards. Uh, and but this katana, I have to say, this is by far the coolest surprise and delight item Stern has ever given any any pinball buyer I've ever seen. So well done. I think this is the kind of stuff we want to see more of these manufacturers do. All right, what else is going on? Willy Wonka is on the line. Have we seen a picture of it on the line? Nope. Just take their word for it. It's on the line. Now, here's what I'm hearing. They're going to make 150 standard editions and 150 LEs first, and those are going to go out. Now, here's also what I bet happens. Most of these games are not going to go into people's homes. I think maybe just 100 of them might go into people's homes, uh, but a lot of these are going to go on location. We've seen this strategy before from JJP. Put the games on location, uh, and that also creates sort of like beta testers for location play so they can see how the games are doing out there in the wild. We saw this with Dialed In. Dialed In ended up being in a lot of different uh, barcades and and different pinball venues, and and then you know we saw Pat Lawler would go and visit and, and see how the games were holding up on location play. I'm also hearing that these games are a lot and I mean a lot easier to build than Pirates of the Caribbean or Dialed In or, or the other Stern games. <laughs> Did I say other Stern games? See, I, I'm like, Vegas has taken its toll on me, but I don't edit this show. No, they're easier to build than the, they are actually easier to, no, nothing's easier to build than a Stern game because there's not much in them, uh, but they are easier to build 
than the other Jersey Jack games. I, I bet the line workers are, are basically enjoying this, that it's not going to be as difficult to put together a, um, a Willy Wonka, right? Pirates of the Caribbean, total nightmare to build. And, and we, we're seeing that still, like in the threads, the quality of those games, they keep breaking down. Um, but here's the one thing, and you know how I feel about Wonka. I, I, I want to see where the code is at, and we're going to get to see where this game is at very, very soon. So uh, we should see this game. I'm hearing by July 4th, these games will start to arrive for people, whether in their homes or on location. We have not seen, and you know how I feel, we haven't seen any code that shows what I'm really looking for, which is clips from the movie with audio from the movie and I need to see that. I, I kind of feel like it's be, it's beginning to become a little bit of a deal breaker moment for me. I get the game is one of the best layouts. I get the game uh, is fun to shoot, but man, I don't want to own a Willy Wonka game unless it feels like the Willy Wonka movie. And and I'm sorry, but like that's just me. All right, okay. What else is going on? So they revealed the total the total number. I can't even speak. Anyway, I'm gonna do this show. The total number of Pirates of the Caribbeans that were made. Now, you ready for this? 1,000 total Pirates of the Caribbeans have been made. Here's the breakdown, which is funny. There were 650 LEs made, 200 collector's editions, and 150 standard edition versions of Pirates of the Caribbean. Now, why is that funny? Well, because the standard edition is, in fact, the rarest and most limited version of the game. I had a laugh when I saw that. This is not how it's supposed to be, Jack. The base level is not supposed to be the rarest, most exclusive version of the game. But we all know, we all know, if people do want a version of the game, there's a reason why the standard editions, uh, they didn't make many of them. I've never understood anyone who buys a standard edition Jersey Jack game because they're still so expensive. Like, they're not cheap. Uh, the standard Wonka will be the first one that is much cheaper than the LE, but a standard edition, uh, I, I think Pirates was only like $500 less or not a significant savings. And they also remove stuff that people would want, like the starry map. And I think the guy, the, the, the rotating pop pumper dude. Uh, so there's stuff that's not in the game. Uh, but so that's where we're at with Pirates of the Caribbean. Do I think Pirates of the Caribbean will ever be remade? My answer, and even though Jax is maybe, I don't think so. I don't think you're ever going to see this game remade. The reason why Waz kept coming back is Waz sales were always very, very strong. Pirate sales were not. And I think you're going to see only 1,000 Pirates of the Caribbeans ever go on the line. And also with Guns N' Roses and Toy Story, you know, and and look, and that's they're not stopping there. They're developing games after Toy Story. Remember, Guns N' Roses and Toy Story has been a rumor for a very long time. So I fully expect to see Jersey Jack have another exciting title after those two. You know, would it be like the Goonies or something really fun like that? Will they do the Matrix? I don't know. You know, will Harry Potter? Not happening. But you know what I'm saying is like Jersey Jack Pinball is not basically saying we got two more games after Wonka and we're closing up doors. Uh, Jack is going to continue to give people, I think, you know, g games that are based on big themes that you're going to want. He's learned his lesson, hopefully, in that category. Uh, so... You know, I don't think there's going to be a down period in which, you know, he's going to be like, oh, let's try to recreate demand for pirates, okay? All right, so Tommy Floyd, he's out at Nitro Pinball. We talked a lot about that on the little short episode I did before this one. And look, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Tommy made a huge mistake. Tommy apologized uh, to everybody 
questionable apology at first, but here's the thing. We should live in a society in which if someone makes a mistake like he made and steps down from his company and goes to get help for alcoholism and his issues with alcohol, and that is what he's doing. He's removing himself from the company and he's going to seek help for what he did. I think we all have to allow the man to have some you know, convalescence to, to, to heal from this, to learn from this, to change from this. You know, sometimes when I hear people say like, oh, no, n- we, we can never forgive him. And, and look, it doesn't mean people have to ultimately forgive him. But, but I think it's more dangerous to live in a society in which people, when they do go get help for a serious issue they have, that we don't give them another chance to be a part of society and be part of a community like pinball. So I think Tommy's doing the right thing. I think, you know, obviously he has an issue with drinking. Uh, We always would like to see people get help before it gets to this level, but this is rock bottom for the man. And and I think if he gets the help he needs, and it's going to take a while, right? This isn't something like a week later, you're back on the scene being like, all right, I'm done. No, it's not like that. Um, But I do think we all should have in our hearts the capacity to forgive someone like Tommy um, for what he does if he, if he, you know, gets the help he needs. But ultimately, ultimately, the forgiveness needs to be from Aaron to him. And I think the ultimate path back for him is if Aaron does forgive him one day and sees that he's actually become a different person and her asking the community to forgive him would be the ultimate way back in. Uh, but we are a long way from that. And I just want to say that, uh, Tommy, I hope you get the help you need. All right. And let's move on from that because I think it was a terrible moment in pinball and we're going to, we're going to, you know, not keep talking about it. All right. So the Munsters topper is coming out finally, right? Where's the Star Wars topper? Uh, Nobody knows. It's lost in a galaxy far, far away. But the Munsters topper is coming out. It's got like four figures on it and then the cuckoo clock in the middle. Here's the one thing that's really strange about it. There will only be a color version of the Munsters topper. So if you have a black and white game, why can't you get a black and white version of the Munsters topper? I'll tell you why. And I say this all the time. Stern being lazy. It's lazy. How hard is it for them to put in an order for black and white versions of the topper? They don't want to do that. They just want to make a bulk order. And so I think it's silly that black and white premium buyers can't get a black and white version of the topper. Come on, George, I know you guys listen to the show. Stop doing these lazy things. I know it probably makes it's easier for you guys to do it the way you're doing it. Just put a bulk order in for color versions and then and then it fits every game. But you made a black and white version of the game. So make it special. See, this is why they messed up the whole thing with the black and white. The black and white should have been the LE and then the LE buyers for $9,000. The LE buyers should have got a black and white version of the game and a black and white topper. Here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the reason. Here, well, here's the way they should have got it. Black and white people, sh- the LE buyers should get a topper included in their game. All right. Included for $9,000. Black and white monsters with a black and white topper, everything black and white, and there's only 500 of them. That means you only have to order 500 of those black and white toppers to make or whatever 600 le's anyway they didn't do it but it is what it is topper gate is really the the whole thing over at stern they just can't seem to sync up the toppers with when the games come out um all right what else is going on so there was a stern of the union address and there is no mention of new monsters code coming which has people being like oh are they have they given up on the game 
Look, we all know that Dwight is not the king of like continuing to work on code. It's like 29 months later and there's still no Ghostbusters update. So keep holding your breath for the Munsters code and you'll surely die a, 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 a death as you wait for that. All right, what else is going on? There's new Batman code coming. I mean, that's like pouring... That's like pouring lemon on the wound, the fact that Batman has more code updates coming, and the game is already kind of perfect, and they're continuing to polish it, but that's Lyman. All right, what else is going on? We want to wish a few people who have had some health issues uh, the best uh, of health in getting back to good health and, and speedy recoveries, uh, because we talk a lot about like pinball and all this stuff, but ultimately... Nothing matters when you're sick and nothing matters when you're having a hard time and nothing matters when, you know, you have a possibility of, of having a serious health issue and you might have to leave us and we don't want that. So we want to wish uh, Todd Tucky, Keith Johnson and Sam Harvey uh, a speedy recovery and, and many, many more years of, of getting back to good health. And I know we, we don't really want to talk about these more serious issues, but I've walked around the pinball shows. I've seen the people in the hobby. Everyone is not in the best of shape. And, you know, it look, it's it's up to each person how they want to treat themselves. And I really do hope that all of you out there who are really, you know, everybody, not just like significant pinball coders and designers and hobbyists, but everybody, take care of yourself. I, I, I just, I don't, I, I don't enjoy waking up and feeling like crap. And, you know, put the put the sugary sodas down, put the high carb items down. You know, you're going to feel like crap. And so we all should get behind each other when it comes to taking care of ourselves. I think that's just like part of being a responsible member of the community is just like if you see someone, you know, like looks like, you know, they're not doing very well in, in terms of their health. Like maybe say like, you know, give some words of encouragement. All right. All right. What else is going on? Elvira herself, Cassandra, she has let the cat out of the bag and confirmed that Elvira 3 will be coming out in October from Stern Pinball. So, look, this is like the worst kept secret. We knew it was happening. Uh, I think it is funny that she has (laughs) confirmed it. This is like two times in a row in which Cassandra and her people have confirmed the game before Stern has actually confirmed it. Uh, but that is good news. It makes perfect sense that Elvira would arrive right around Halloween, right around Expo. Perfect, perfect timing. So now we know we're going to have something along the lines of an Elvira versus Raza competition. No, no, no. Um, anyway, anything else going on in the pinball news? Deep Root, we talked about that. Uh, the Forever Fall, that will be a 24-month period before you see anything. Uh, oh, it's been it's it's felt refreshing. I don't sound it again because Vegas just destroyed me, but it's been refreshing to sort of step away from Pinside and all this stuff. And you know, as we as we called it, there's just not much news. This stuff is not significant. Uh, ultimately, I look forward in the next few weeks. I look forward to seeing what people's reaction to Willy Wonka is when it actually makes its way into people's homes, because that is when we're really going to see what the software of this game will be. I mean, it's important. Jersey Jack games have always delivered a higher caliber, I believe, of software and sound and music. And this one has me anxious. Now, also, people out there are like, you're not allowed to change your opinion about Willy Wonka. Why am not? I have to stick to it? No. I've got my collector's edition deposit down. uh, But that is where... I am, I'm just excited to see what people say when they get it, right? 
I'm seeing games like Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. People are are loving it. A game. The more I look at the game, the more I read people's feedback on the game, the more I'm like, it, it looks like a really solid offering. I mean, Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle versus like a Munsters Pro. I I, I kind of would rather have Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle. I, I have to say, and you know, it's just a great looking game, and, and the code. It sounds like more is coming in it, and yeah, the shots are tight, but people are loving it, and I think Chuck will sell all of them. They're not sold out. If you want one, they are very close. They have a few more left. Um, call them up. I think they're in like the high 400s now, and by the time the game is you know is finally done, they will sell all of them. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not like I'm not surprised, uh, but I think the game has got really great word of mouth, and that's how it should be. All right, I'm going to air the interview. I can't, I'm like dead. You might, you can hear it in my voice. I, I, I haven't had like sleep in like three days. I'm going to air the interview with Neil. Enjoy it. I'm going to France next week, uh, next Friday, and then I'm there for like a week. Uh, so no more shows until sometime in later June. So enjoy this one. Uh, the next show I will do, and I, and someone brought this to my attention, and that was Jack Danger, something I want to talk about that no one's talking about. It's this bait and switch going on in which some of these, uh, you know, pinball sort of charities and, 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 and pinball locations are, are doing fundraisers in which they say the money is going to go for a good cause and then the money doesn't go there. And I think it's total BS. You should go on Dead Flip's Facebook page and read all about this because I think this is another one of the intolerable things that is happening in our hobby and us pinball podcasters and us pinball media, we have a responsibility to point a light at this stuff. You know, I didn't even hear a lot of the pinball podcasts talk about Tommy and what happened there. Like, what, what is going on? If you have a pinball podcast and you're covering what's going on in the hobby, it's not always roses. And if something goes on in the hobby that is a bad reflection of what goes on in the hobby... I, I don't think you just should like ignore it. And you know, I'll never ignore it. I, I, I run right towards these things and I will expose these things when they should be exposed. But honestly, collecting money to go towards good causes and then not contributing those money to those causes. And, and that is despicable. And we're going to call out the people who have done that on the next show. Uh, and But until we do that, Here's Neil from PinQuest. He's got a really interesting uh, sort of app and and sort of pinball experience that he wants you guys to enjoy. So I'll air that right now. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll be back. Who knows when? But we will be back. Goodbye. All right, ladies and gentlemen, there is a rumor that there is no news in the pinball world, but that rumor is incorrect because I'm here today to talk to Neil Shelton about something new cooking in the pinball hobby. Neil, welcome to the show. Hey, Chris. Thanks for having me, man. I, I'm happy to have you on here because the thing you're working on, I think, is going to make playing pinball out in the world more exciting. Now, what I want to do is sort of have you introduce us and the listeners of the show to what you've been working on to make Location Pin a more exciting experience. Is that is that a fair assessment of what you've been cooking up Oh, absolutely. Um, so let's uh, kind of go into the background, I guess, a little bit. Um, the app, it's going to be called PinQuest. This Week in Pinball did an article last week on it. So if you haven't seen that, make sure you do 
check that out. But basically the premise is to do exactly what you just said, man, make uh, location pinball fun. So I'm an operator. Um, I have one location. I just absolutely love it, man. I don't really make a ton of money doing it, but I'm always seeing people, you know, playing machines. Um, Novus is stepping up to machine, dropping a couple quarters and walking away, not really having any idea what the heck they're doing. Um, so this whole app is to try and get people, um, you know, to, to play a game and try and, you know, achieve something. A lot of people aren't going to be able to walk up to a machine and get a grand champion score out the gate. So, right. um, hopefully with this app, giving people tasks and goals, you know, it's going to make playing pinball a lot more fun on location. Right. Cause right now, if you are a novice, right. And you just walk up to a pinball machine at a bar or at a, you know, an, a, at an operator's location, it's pretty intimidating. When you, when you see people for the first time come up to machine, Neil, like, what do you witness when you see that? Well, first of all, I witness, uh, hey, what what machine do I relate with, which happens to be our Super Mario machine all the time. So number one thing is theme. They'll drop quarters, they'll pack a ball around, and then they'll walk off and say, hey, that was fun. I just spent 50 cents for you know a minute of play. <laughs> so what, what games so, do you have um, on location right now? All right. We got 15 in the lineup. Um got attack from mars we have a monster bash we have a star wars star trek twilight zone ghostbusters guardians of the galaxy super mario creature from the black lagoon south park um deadpool the monsters i know i'm leaving something out but that's a that's a pretty good run through of most of the machines and where are these games located yeah, they're in a brewery, a family-friendly brewery, uh, brewery in uh, Broomfield, Colorado, called Wonderland. Okay. Do you guys have an Oktoberfest on order? Since it's a brewery, is that like is that mandatory that you buy it? You know, that's a. <laughs> uh, so the owner of the brewery, he has a couple of the machines in there, and I told him that's one for him. Just as an operator with a split man, I can't be dropping money on you know anything really over the stern pro limits i let him handle kind of all of the uh the higher cost games like the the le he's got the le um attack from mars medieval madness and monster bash so i'll let him handle that since he gets liquor revenue too okay so for a listener of the show just to sort of let's go back to pin quest so neil's pin quest the way this works is you put in your zip code right and it tells you different objectives that are tied to different games near your location, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'll, I'll give a quick rundown of the, the process. So yeah, let's do that. It's not an, yeah. So it's not an actual physical app. The reason we did that is just because the cost in going to develop apps for, you know, Android, uh, and iOS is pretty, uh, pretty steep, man. So we started with a web app. If things pick up, we'll definitely come out with some native apps, but you visit playpinquest.com. It's going to take you to the website. Um, you know, there's some FAQs, how to play stuff like that. If people have no idea what the heck they're doing, uh, then there's a link that takes you directly into the actual app. Uh, then once you're in the app, basically you, you know, you say, Hey, allow, um, GPS to find me with a location. If you're not comfortable allowing for GPS to, uh, find you, you can search by zip code. It will then pull up locations that are participating in, uh, in quests. Uh, you'll then click on a location. Uh, they'll pop up a bunch of different quests. And what a quest is composed of is, different missions that a location specifically sets. So, you know, it's on the location to determine these, um, these missions and these quests. So I'll give you a quick example. Let's say, 
uh, we see a quest and it's called Space Quest. So Space Quest could be uh, composed of, you know, let's say you got to score 1.5 billion on Star Wars and you have to score 250 uh, million on uh, Star Trek. Once right. you achieve those goals, um, a box gets checked. You have to do this with uh, verification via a photo and a manual input of your score. Um, once you achieve those, you you win a prize that the bar determines, and you also win a digital achievement trophy that gets put into a, uh, a trophy case for you, and you can share that on social media with all of your friends. So let's talk about the verification because, you know, if anyone's going to try and game this system, it's going to be me stealing everyone else's photos <laughs> of their high scores because I am the greatest pinball player. So when so let's say the person goes up there, they get one point five billion on Star Wars. They then take a photo of it right with their phone and yep. they upload it into PinQuest. Yep. Now, how do you make That's sure right. that people are not using multiple photos and, you know, of that score? Sure. Great question, man. And this has been one of the biggest hurdles of trying to figure that out. So first thing, we are writing code into the camera that if someone inputs, or sorry, not the camera, but the app, that if someone inputs a score within a certain duration of time that has been used, it will not be validated. So the chances of scoring the exact same score are pretty dang slim, you know, when you're in the millions and billions of scores could it happen yeah i'm sure it could but uh, the chances i i feel pretty slim about and if it upsets someone you know so so that's interesting um, so each score is almost acting as a barcode if you will for if you see duplicates of the same one point you know five seven eight three two one billion you know it's you you will a duplicate sends a, a warning into the system that says nope throw it out Okay. Yeah, and we'll have some sort of expiration on that. The big issue with that is if you achieve that quest score or the mission score and then you walk away from the machine, it's still on there. So someone could easily come up and snap that, and we, we definitely know that's a, a possible uh, issue in loop. So that that was the best way to kind of close that up is, right. hey, if you uh, use a score that's been used, it's going to tell you nah. Okay. That makes sense. Also, yeah, and we won't accept um, – a location won't be able to accept you know, a high score or a grand champion score. So it's very clear that you need to snap the photo on you know, the previous game screen where it is not displaying a grand champion or a high score. Okay. All right, so that's how we validate the – and so when people put it in, then the prizes and what people are playing for, is that is, – is the goal of this whole – thing to get operators to is the reward in real time like get this score and get like a beer or get something like what what are the prizes what kinds of things are you guys thinking about sure man that's it's completely up to the location what they want to do as far as prizes go you know if it's a beer at the end of the they complete a quest then yeah that's awesome if someone wants to go absolutely nuts and make some ridiculously hard quest and give away a TV, they can do that as well. You know, they just need to know what the their local, I guess, gaming laws are going to be when it comes to uh, some sort of redemption, I would say. Um, but yeah, sky's the limit. If they don't want to give anything away and they just simply want to, you know, give away the digital achievements, we somewhere down the road would like to establish some type of system where people can redeem trophies for official pin quest gear and uh, that's that's going to be down the road, but we definitely want to, you know, give some incentive of why you should go around to different locations and try and earn as many trophies as possible and ultimately help the hobby, help the operators and help the locations and ultimately help pin 
I'll just, you know, girls. Right. So in, in essence, Neil, you're sort of turning pinball into somewhat of a, of a redemption game with this. Yeah. Yep. Which is not a bad thing because we hear all the time that when you talk about operating coin op machines in 2019, redemption games are slaying it for operators much more than pinball. So there's there's more of a an incentive, if you will, to play if there's some sort of prize waiting for you other than just the pinball experience, which you also get, it seems like, with this, this process, right? Yeah, absolutely. So people are willing to drop, you know, 20, 30 bucks in a coin pusher. I always laugh when I go to our local uh, Dave and Buster's, you know, just to try and win a PlayStation 4 that would, you know, cost you 300 bucks at the store, but they're going to spend $4,000 on coin pusher by the time they they earn that thing. So if they're willing to do that, why not give them the experience of playing an actual game of pinball and shooting for high scores in the process? Right. So from your standpoint, how do you guys, how do you monetize it on your end? Yeah. So monetization, great question. We will be charging locations, a monthly subscription fee to have access to it. It's going to be less than 20 bucks for a location. If people do have multiple locations, we will have some sort of uh, some sort of a price break. Um, we're going to have trial periods to make sure it's a good fit for everybody. We're going to give people uh, probably a first month free just to make sure it is, um, you know, it's it's worth it for them. People will be able to cancel at any point. Or, you know, I I don't believe in locking people into contracts. If something's not working for them, they can easily walk away. Other forms of monetization are we will have banner space within that specific to the industry. I, I really don't want to sell out to Google and have banner ads of just random crap in there. I'd really like to fill that with stuff to to really help the industry grow. Um, you know, a good example is, you know, putting a, a link to your podcast or to uh, Jeff over at This Week in Pinball or a distributor if they wanted to buy some space in there and, you know, get people that may not know how the heck to buy a pinball machine. Maybe they see... Um, a distributor pop up and they say, Oh, that, that's how you do it. So right. that's, that's another way. Uh, it will be completely free for the end user. So when you do go to a location, there is no cost to, to use it, try and earn the, the prizes or the achievement trophies. So is it, Neil, when you put it, it, it's an app on your phone. Does it, does it push notification to you as the end user saying, Hey, Chris, like, there's a new challenge or objective waiting on Wizard of Oz at Sunshine Laundromat. And so there's like, do I get a push notification letting me know when new new objectives are there? Or do I have to go there first to see? Yeah, not right now. But that is something we're definitely going to work on, man. I'd say we are about 90% of where this thing should be to get me where I'd be happy with launch. Uh, and that is definitely one of those things that I need to figure out is how to make the, the push enabled. Otherwise, as it is right now, you do need to log in and just refresh and see if any new quests have popped up in your area. Cool. And are, are you talking to any of the manufacturers? I mean, this sounds like something that might be interesting to roll out with like the Stern Army Tour, right? So where there's already like organized events like IFPA. Are you talking to those guys to sort of get this sort of become an ancillary activity within the existing pinball sort of community? Yeah. Great question, man. Yes. I've had conversations with different manufacturers. Um, 
I do have a manufacturer on board to do a sample quest uh, with me. We are please don't say officially launched. Please don't say it's, it's deep root. <laughs> it's not, it's not deep root. Okay, <laughs> um, I was like, you, but yeah, you do know <laughs> they're not going to make the most games ever this year. <laughs> Yeah, man. Um, but no, we're, we're launching it. Uh, we're kind of doing our beta launch this week at the Rocky Mountain Pinball Showdown here in Colorado. So all Memorial Day weekend, we're going to have a booth. Uh, I have thousands of dollars worth of prizes that are specific to PinQuest, T-shirts, pint glasses, um, pop sockets, uh, coin tubes. I mean, we have a bunch of cool stuff to give away. Uh, the specific, I don't want to name the uh, manufacturer quite yet because we're still uh, tying some things up, but they are going to provide a limited number of prizes um, that folks will uh, pretty much be in a race to, to get because once they're gone, uh, they will be gone. People will still earn the achievement badge once those prizes are gone, but they are going to be in limited number. Okay. And okay. so right now, okay. Neil, can can people start using PinQuest? Uh, not yet. Um, Give us a launch date and don't say two weeks. <laughs> My goal is by July 1st to allow locations nationwide and uh, even possibly worldwide. Uh, when the This Week in Pinball article came out, we had interest from about uh, 15 states and uh, one international location, which uh, kind of surprised me right out of the gate. So I've told all of them that, you know, if everything goes smooth with the beta launch, um, I just need to tighten up some things on my end, you know, to get payment systems in place. And then we'll be able to um, start pretty much offering it. It's, it's pretty plug and play, man. The Everything's there. I just need to make sure that there's no bugs uh, that pop up. Otherwise, we're ready to roll. Awesome. You know, just a little like um, a, a marketing tip as I, I, I as I see, you know, stuff like this when it comes out. So, you know what would be great, too, is when, when a major show is happening, like a TPF or a Pimberg, um, it's always good at these big shows where you have a, a large volume of pinheads in one place to have sort of PinQuest sort of hyper localized at that event with the objectives and the games are all there, right? And that way you just get a lot of people yeah. downloading it, using it, and all the games are there. And then you can also have like the prizes and the redemption happen all in one place, you know, just to give people in, in a very localized area uh sort of like a a beta run of what it's going to be like i think that's another good thing that yeah. could happen with this so yeah and that's exactly what's what's going to be going down man that's a that's a great point and i mean just imagine the different uh venture this could you know add, or the different tastes this could add to an expo or or a big tournament you're you know you're waiting for your turn to play what if there's a bank of pin quest games you can go over there try and chip away try and win a prize i mean it adds a whole different element to pretty much any sort of organized uh, tournament play right so what what was the um what was the origin of this like really like what drove you to wake up one day and say you know what i'm gonna try and create uh, another fun way to pull people into playing pinball machines yeah that's a great question uh again it just came down to watching people at our location we would do uh, a thing called the great reset every year once a year january 1st i would reset all of the high scores and at the end of the month whoever had the grand champion scores would get a, a grand champion t-shirt and i mean that was it once a year uh other locations would give away a free beer for the grand champion but they were resetting grand champion scores every month and i don't know man i think that's a coveted thing i don't think those things should be reset once a month so i was kind of just thinking of a way to add more excitement. It seems like when people have something to shoot for, we get a heck of a lot more quarter drops in our machines. 
So, so that was really right. the whole, um, the whole driver b- behind it. You know, it makes sense. You know, I mean, I, th- I think right now, and this has always been my issue because, you know, you listen to this podcast and I, I don't talk a lot about tur- tournament play and, and, and mainly it's, it's, it's not just because like I'm, I'm not into it. It's even locally for me, it's, it's a huge time suck to commit to like league nights and constantly going in like a few days a week. And, you know, it's three, four hours at times, but this sort of opens up the ability to engage in competitive pinball playing, but on your schedule, on, on when you can do it and when you can get around to it, which I think is is interesting because right now there's nothing really like that. Correct. Yeah, I kind of like to make the mm, – in a weird way, it's kind of like a Pokemon Go. You know, you go to a place that's a worldwide phenomenon. You know, a lot of pinball players probably are a little bit past the Pokemon craze, but the up-and-coming generation, they know what's going on with that. You know, you go to a location, you – you want to achieve this, you want to catch that trophy or earn that trophy. And you kind of want to, you know, one up, one up everyone else around you. I will have a digital leader, uh, leaderboard also with trophies. So people will be able to kind of compete in, in that manner and, you know, see who can earn the most trophies. Do you, you know, when you look at innovation in pinball and, and you're, you know, you're sort of looking at innovating, uh, competitive pinball play and, and sort of adding it, redemption and incentives to the whole playing pinball out on location. Let's talk for a little bit about internet connectivity with pinball. Do you think it's coming and do you think that could help advance this initiative to the next level as well? Oh yeah. If we got connectivity, that would make my life a lot easier. You know, we'd be able to validate scores without actually having to put an individual, you know, in, in the process as it is right now, you complete a quest, you have to go to a bartender they're the ones verifying your scores, making sure everything's uh, kosher on that end and, and giving you the prize. If we had connectivity, you know, the app could shoot a score uh, directly to – I'm sorry, the pinball machine could shoot a score directly to our app and validate it and take that human element out of it. Right. Uh, so I think it does need to happen. Um, I know there's a, a cool company out there called Scorebit. I don't know if you've seen anything about them. I think they've been set up at a few places. They, they're broadcasting live scoring. It's a – I believe it's a piece of hardware that you, you plug into a machine. So, you know, they're working on something. Um, uh, look, Stern Pinball is – this is – people keep thinking I'm crazy on this show, Neil, for being like internet connectivity to pinball is coming. It's coming. And like Stern is like even absolutely. said it's coming. And people – I think this is going to be the next big evolution in pinball is when Stern goes connected and networked. I, I think it's going to change the way the game – uh, not not the way the game is played per se, but the experience of playing pinball is going to change with scoreboards and leaderboards and and the sure. ability to have cameras on games where you can see your friends playing while you're playing and you know all that stuff's going to come. Yep, I agree. I think the challenge is kind of like I think Ben Heck was saying is the the amount of games versus the user base. That's I think that's going to be the big challenge that we see with you know head to head type of stuff. But I can absolutely see you know, dig, uh, national rank scoreboards and stuff like that. And, um, I think the big challenge is ultimately going to keep people from cheating. It's going to suck if there's a, a big scoreboard out there and someone's in their basement sliding that glass off and, you know, just hitting super jackpots over and over. So it's really just trying to figure out a way to keep the integrity of the online gaming. I think that's the biggest challenge. Yep. Yeah, I mean, they're pretty much going to throw out every score Canada submits when it goes online because I'm just going to sit there with like my finger be like, oh, look at this, 800 billion again um, on my first ball. Um, well, look, this is really exciting, Neil. I mean, p- 
pin quest it's coming july um you're a fan of pinball so i'd love to keep you on the show and let's just talk about you want to talk about what's going on in the hobby i mean i always like to get another sure. point of view on stuff so are, are you yourself a new inbox collector or an older game collector are you more about putting games on location do you have any games in the home like what's your pinball world like yeah, man, this is going to go back to kind of the origins of how I got started. So I'm 33. So, you know, I'm, I'd, I'd say You're I'm probably young, young in the hobby. The hobby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I bought my dad a couple of clunker pinball machines cause he loved them growing up for Christmas a couple years ago through actually four years ago now and took him to his house, played him. And I said, oh shit, now I want one. And then you know how it goes, man, you get one, then you get two, then you get three. Right. Um, so next thing you know, I have seven of them in my house right when you walk in the door. And uh, my um, fiance, now wife, she goes, so yeah, I didn't uh, I didn't plan on moving into our arcade. So you need to do something about this. So <laughs> I, uh, I, you know, I said, OK, I'll try and find a bar. Fast forward. Uh, games are in a bar. I finished my basement. I gave myself room for three games. So no, I'm not a new inbox collector for my personal collection. I am a new inbox uh, type of guy for location because, you know, man, this is not my full-time job. This is purely a passion. I need reliable games on location. When I started, I had a lot of, you know, your classic Bally's. Um, uh, the only Gottlieb game I've actually ever had on location is the Super Mario. And believe it, that thing's just a tank, man. Nothing goes wrong with it. It's working all the time. Great machine. Um, but yeah, over the, over the years we've upgraded, we've gotten all new in box Stern. We try and keep, a um, a fresh lineup there. So, and Stern pros, I mean, as an operator, are they just the way to go? Absolutely, man. I can't even fathom why you would spend the additional four to $6,000 on an Ellie or a premium when they're just going to get beat up. Um, it's not attractive for a resale for an operated machine. Um, you, you know, you're giving yourself more mechanical issues, I feel like, with the premiums and LEs. So, yeah, I I think all manufacturers need to come down to that level because on location, all that matters is the theme. Someone's going to walk up to a machine as long as it's not completely barren. And if they connect with a theme, they'll play it regardless of how many uh, – excessive bells and whistles there are in my personal opinion right and and maybe i'm making this up but you were saying super mario brothers is a great earner for you right best earner man it's the crazy. best besides a new besides the newest release you know it, our new release will always kill something then once everything levels out it's right back to super mario that's incredible yep so it Which just goes it goes to show right i mean we talk a lot about theme on this show and and sure. so okay. let, let's talk about Jersey Jack and, and location play because we keep hearing that Jersey Jack is specifically making Willy Wonka like their location bet in terms of the way they're going to code it in terms of the pricing of it the standard edition 7500 what do you think about Willy Wonka as a location based game coming from a guy who had uh, a Wizard of Oz still have a Wizard of Oz it it operated awesome on location for a couple years. Um, unfortunately one thing went wrong and it's just kind of been the typical, um, one thing after another, once something seems to happen on there. So currently it's offline. So I, I, you know, I love Jack's games. They're beautiful. Like you always say, they're really the only manufacturer that has a world under glass. They draw eyes when they're on location. 
Um, so to kind of loop back to what you're asking there, I, if, if they made a, a game suited for location that doesn't have a ton of stuff that can potentially go wrong, I, I think their games are, are fantastic. I agree with you on the code with these games. I think there needs to be split code for home use and, uh, and location play. Um, right. Isn't it kind of, it's, I mean, like Pirates is a good, is a good example is if they just had a, a location code that just auto selected your character and just instead of all the, you know, you can't have all that complexity on, on sure. location. Yeah. I mean, look at uh, game of Thrones. If you turn it on, I think basic mode, it'll select your house for you right away and you can just hop into a game. You don't have to worry about stacking all the different uh, houses and not really having an idea what you're doing. So I, I, I think if Stern can do that and make that an option, I don't know why other manufacturers can't, program something basic like that into a game right and so and i think we're hearing now too and and there's more to come on this topic obviously with willy wonka i think the munsters is doing this as well is we're seeing more basic code and simple code and approachable coding in a game uh, because these games are you know people are speculating maybe these games are being made to be more operator friendly but then you have the trade-off of the home buyer who wants that level of depth and complexity because he wants to own it for years is upset that the game might be shallow, right? And I'm going to buy the game and then figure out it's not going to be a, a long-term keeper. Do you think that's a sure. problem? Do you think that, that these companies need to start addressing this a little differently? Yeah, absolutely. I think there needs to be location machines and code and home use machines and code. Um, I, I do think that's something that's super important. I also think they need to be very conscious of what the, the, the cost is for the, for the location and definitely give a little bit more support when it comes to a warranty running out on a game. And these things aren't cheap to keep running on location. You know, if something does go wrong, it's usually something pretty pricey that can eat away at a, an entire, you know, weeks, couple weeks of earnings. Right. So a game like Black Knight, Sword of Rage... Yep. How is that, from an operator's standpoint, do you look at that like it's banking so much on the heritage of the Black Knight pinball franchise, which most people walking into a, a brewery are probably unfamiliar with? What do you think? Do you think that game like crushes it on location or, or fails? Well, I can tell you we passed on it because of the theme. Um, and, you know, I, I almost got the uh, new inbox fever and, and pulled the trigger on it, which I did do with monsters and um i don't think black knight honestly is going to be a great earner for our location i think at your uh, you know your true pinball bar that gets a lot of the the classic gamers out i think it could could do decent but where we're at definitely not we're a kid-friendly brewery um i don't think it would it would do very good and that's why i kind of chose not to do uh, not to pick one up right yeah, it's interesting because you know you go and to the a place barren yeah, I mean, it's, it is barren. I mean, I, I played it at Sunshine, and I, I was surprised how little is in that game. Uh, but whenever a new game comes out, I think it has a window in which it probably earns really well the first month or two because a lot of the, I would say, the repeat pinball fanatics in the neighborhood are coming by to play the new games. I mean, that's what we do. Um, but if a casual person walks into Sunshine and they've got Medieval Madness, they've got all these other games... I don't know. I don't think it's like crushing it. Um, so what about Munsters though? So how's that doing? Cause you have one on location. 
I do. And it out the gate, it earned really, really well just because it was the new game. Now it's kind of, you know, it's hovering around the middle. It's one of the newer games. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful game. Once people learn how to play it, they actually really enjoy it. The problem is I can't be there all the time to teach people how to actually play that game. Like I honestly think that game is, um, I think it's really cool, man, with the the kind of gambling aspect of it. If it didn't have that, I would be very bored of it. But kind of the ability to, you know, risk your your jackpots and try and grow those for the ultimate payout, that is something that I think makes that game very unique and makes it enjoyable for me. But you take that out and it's uh, it's a pretty boring game. (laughs) I don't think a lot of people know that you can bank those jackpots. You know, there's there's not really a clear indicator. So I think that's part of the problem with the game. Yeah, I think I think the issue people are having with it is so even if you do know that, I think if you're a diehard fan of the Munsters though, I think people are just craving to get more of the show and the storylines from the show into the game. Cuz right, the object cuz if you watch the the show, there's all these episodes that are great that could lend themselves to objectives in the pinball machine. And yet it's all about, to your point, like the jackpots and figuring out the strategy yeah. to, to score. And I think that leaves some of the Munster diehard fans being like, well, that's that's not really like why I love the Munsters. That's just maybe a pinball like approach. And so I think they might be losing people there. Yeah. Chris, Where- do you think that has to do with when they're I, I watched the making of video uh, a while ago on that. And it seems like they were looking for funny dialogue. Um in clips versus storylines when I, I think yeah, John I, Borg was, yeah. So, so here's, I mean, I've said it before on the yeah. show. I'll say it again. Uh, it was clear. It, it, you'd have to really be a fan of the Munsters and, and watch every episode and take notes. I mean, it seems like Lyman Sheets laboriously watched all three seasons of Batman and then laid out the game. Hold on. I'm going to, I'm going to cough real quick and I'll edit this out. <laughs> no worries. I'm, I'm like, I'm a little sick. You good? <coughs> Give me one sec. All right. So I think the reason why the Munsters is, is is clearly I just I've said it like I don't think Dwight is a big Munsters fan. I don't think he sat down and watched like every episode with the intent of bringing the show he he loves to life. I think he's trying a different pinball strategy. And I do think I think they heard some of the criticisms about complexity in pinball machines, and I think they wanted to make a game that was easier to approach, like an Adams Family versus a Pirates of the Caribbean from Jersey Jack. But sure, look, you know it's hard to tell if people are loving it or hating it because there's a few vocal people on Pinside that won't stop saying how much they don't like the game. I don't even know if those people have the game or not. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's going to be a huge seller for Stern. Do you? We're talking monsters. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think once you get past that first run and kind of like you've mentioned many times before with everything coming out, if they haven't made their money, then I, I think it's going to be slim pickings for sure for them for whatever else they have on the line with that theme. With everything coming out, Neil, on the horizon, what what has you most excited as a pinball fanatic? Yeah, man. As uh, an operator... Toy Story has me extremely excited if that does truly happen. I think that is an absolute slam dunk, man. Uh, from our location, I can just see that thing earning incredibly just with all of so the, the younger generation that does go there. You're most excited about an unofficially rumored title. 
Yep. <laughs> okay. So what <laughs> are you I'm, most excited I'm, about that's officially announced? Hmm. I went and shot Wonka the other day, and I kind of like you said, man, it shoots like a dream. I'm excited for it if they do make some substantial code enhancements. I, I really wasn't even too sure what I was doing, to be honest with you, when I was playing the game. It didn't seem like there was a clear path. Um, so You got to collect I'd the Wonka say, bars, I hear. Yeah. Just keep collecting collect the them. There's, a, there's tons of them. Now, don't get me wrong. I didn't have a ton of time on it. I played it for about 15 minutes, but you know, I feel like I should have had a good idea. But I do know that's really code. It kind of reminded me of when Guardians of the Galaxy was shipped at point... I think I got mine at like point, yeah, I think it was less than 0.5. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but you know, it showed up. Basically, it had one song in it, no call outs. It was pretty barren. I was like, what the hell did I buy here? But thank goodness, you know, they can they can make vast improvements with code updates now. What did you think of the sound and the art in Wonka? Um, it didn't bug me. It did not bug me. I think if you put a, a Christopher Franchi twist on it, it could be cool. You know, I'm not a huge fan of the clip art, but it really didn't bug me. I thought it was a uh, a pretty game. I think it was a, a CE uh, that Jack sent out to our local um, distributor uh, to have at our local show this coming weekend. So it was a pretty game, man. Nothing really bugged me too much. Now looking at the, uh, you know, the pro or not the pro, the standard edition, it's pretty barren, but it doesn't bug me too much because it is going to be side by side with another game. So not a huge deal for operating. I mean, it only loses that one mech and it, now it's pretty barren. Sure. It does look, yeah. it does look barren back there though. Right. It, they, they, it's almost like they just need it like a sculpt back there. Like I get there's, they're taking out the Wonka Vader, but they probably need to put something there. Right. It, it does look empty. Sure. Yeah. Even put a balloon. Just the, put the a Wonka big, balloon. Like, they should just put a big, like <laughs> billboard, back there for Canada's pinball podcast. I think that would be, there you go. After all the hype I did, I think I deserve that kind of real estate in the game. That's right, man. Scrolling ads. Do you think I'm going (laughs) to eat my own words on, on my hype of, of Wonka? I hope not, man. It just really depends on what that code looks like when it's all said and done, but Hey, it's a refundable deposit. Just remember, you can keep that back, that Batman 66 that you love. Yeah, well, that's <laughs> what I don't get about all these, the early showing of the game and all, and I hope they don't keep streaming this game to, to the cows come home because it's all the deposits are refundable. And and the more time you give people I, with all these streams, and if they don't see significant code improvement, you're just losing deposits. You're not going to gain deposits. And that's why I keep telling them, don't show us the game until there's something in the code that makes us go like, holy cow, wow. And I, I, I just haven't seen that in the code yet. Yeah, no, absolutely agree, man. And I also think you're on to something with they need to take care of the the top end buyers first. Like I think collector's editions and standards need to be going out hand in hand. You know, they need to take care of the people who are willing to spend thousands and thousands of dollars on a machine. And they also need to make sure they're taking care of the operators and getting these games on locations ASAP because, you know, most people are going to play a game on location for the first time. And if they love that game, then they're going to become a buyer. Well, I mean, Stern does it right. They have the pro and then the LE. It's the premium people who wait. Yep. I don't Absolutely. know why. I don't know why. It, it just. It's just. I watch this. You know, Neil. Every every year, I'm like, you know what? This year, everyone else is going to figure it out because it's already been figured out, and Stern <laughs> has showed us how to do it. And yet, 
and yet Jack always finds new ways to try and do it differently. And and I don't know. It's it, it, because like if they do wait, and you make this the collector's edition people wait like six months after launch, you're not going to sell 500. People are gonna half those people are gonna just go in on in on an LD because they want the game. Sure. And save money. Same game. Yep. Same game. And they, yep. they can they could take it to Pinball Refinery and have them put some candy armor on it if they wanted a different color. And they're having fun for months while the CE guys are just waiting. Yeah. And here's absolutely. the other part. Here's the dangerous part. Because this is what Stern does so magically. They get people to buy the Munsters LEs. And they don't know what the full code is yet until the game is already in their home. Right? Yep. <laughs> so that's genius. Yep. Right? They don't care. Yeah, they got no. your money. They don't they care. Get they don't care. It's not their first rodeo, man. They they totally understand it. And you know, the, that that's obviously why they're the most successful right. operating pinball company the, right now. By the, awesome. time, so. by the time the first collector's edition of Wonka is on the line by, by you know, four or five months from now, those people are gonna know exactly what like the whole complete code is. And if it doesn't have what they're looking for, you know, they're going to say, oh, well, I'm going to wait for Guns N' Roses or to your point, Neil, I'm going to wait for Toy Story, which we know is coming out. I mean, it's it's all but finalized. I mean, Toy Story was supposed to come out this year, but they they're going back and revisiting the code because they didn't have the assets the way they wanted them to have them. So, Chris, does that theme do anything for you, by the way? Absolutely. Toy Story, Toy Story. Kind of on that. OK. Yeah. I mean, look, if if I were to look at all the games on the horizon Toy Story. I mean, I love the movies. When I hear people say like Toy Story is not a very popular franchise, it's like sometimes I just want to punch my computer screen. <laughs> For people that think like Monsters is more relevant than Toy Story, it's like it's like I don't even understand like how you can have that. It's it there's actual factual data to support that Toy Story is a multi-billion dollar franchise. Monsters is not, yep. not even close. Um yes, I yeah. love the 3 Toy Story movies. I, I kind of don't know why they made a fourth one because the third one ended so perfectly. Um, yep. But I will... Money, man. Money grab. I know, but it's like, what happened at Pixar? It just, like, they used to know when to call it a day and let some of these IPs sort of, you know, have their moment. But look, I also think that Disney is not going to mess up Toy Story 4. I mean, we love these characters. It's been a while since we've seen them on the big screen. Uh, but my whole thing is this. It's the same thing with Wonka. If they don't get the assets down right, like if I don't, I need to see the clips from the movie that I love and I need to hear the call outs from the scenes that I love in Toy Story or I'm not going to be happy. No, I, I absolutely agree. It's, you know, just having a machine with your favorite um figures or art on it isn't isn't enough anymore with how interactive these screens are it's it's almost disgraceful when you don't have interaction um you know that that's kind of one of the the cool things when you do go to the black knight uh, sort of rage is barren as the play field is it, it's very interactive man with that back glass like i think the um, not the back class, but the, the LCD. I think that's super cool. I think you you feel like you're a part of something. You feel like you're battling these things. Um, yeah, I mean, so like I the, do think the, you know Stern did. Yeah, no, totally. Yeah, go ahead. The most important part, though, for me, even more than the visuals, which are nice, and you should, are the callouts, though, because oh, absolutely. I think like Lord of the Rings, Stern Pinball. I, I feel like I'm in those those modes. 
you know, when you those modes are kicking in, you feel like you're in those scenes in the movie. And look, there's there's no like, it, it's DMD tech, right? Yeah. But like, yeah. But somehow it does such a great job of pulling you in to the energy and the tension and the drama of those scenes. And it's all about the call outs and the light show going together. And then the screen is just icing on the cake. And I think that the same thing is true with, with um, you know, with the modern games. I think sometimes I don't want to sit there and watch like a movie, right? I, I, I want it to be more under the glass of, of like the mode coming to life with the call outs and the lights going and, and hopefully toys and mechanisms reflecting those those pivotal moments and characters. Um, but we'll see. You know, I mean, it's early to tell. Any Neil, are you in on? Any are you a fan of Guns N' Roses? Love the band, but it, it's ultimately going to come down to what's inside the game. You know, is it going to be partial song clips? You know, is it going to be full songs? Well, what are we looking at? I, I can't tell you that quite yet, man. Music pins for us on location have not done very well. So um, it's going to really need to be a, a a cool package for me to consider another music pin. Right. What do you think is next from Stern? Hmm. That's a great question, man. It seems like all of the the most recent ones were kind of just shot down with all the franchise art that he released. Um, so I'll give you like the titles that are rumored. We got Jurassic World. Yep. Uh, the Godzilla. We I'm got... still holding some faith that we get a Jaws, man. I think that'd be such a cool theme that could relate to everybody. Um, I don't. You know, I know there's a lot of issues with uh, licensing, apparently, but I do think we're going to see a, a a Jurassic World, and I do think we're going to see a Godzilla. It seems like those two rumors have the most kind of steam behind them right now. You know, if I were Stern, it'd be really easy for me to leak out into the community that licensing Jaws is a nightmare, and you're never going to see it, and here are the reasons why. And that's an easy way to like deflect. You maybe sure. are working on it. Um, yeah, the others, the other titles are that I've heard are possibly Motley Crue does nothing for me. Uh, well, we know Elvira is happening because they already announced yep, again, it. does nothing for me. It's all, that's on the same line of the black Knight, man. I just, you, you're going to have to have such a specialty crowd and that's truly going after the old, you know, the class, I don't want to say old, but just like the classic pinball players. It's something that's going to relate heavily to, to what they remember playing growing up. It's not going to do anything for us on a location. Like I, you know, I don't, I know who Elvira is, but I can, <laughs> I, I really don't remember the show. I, I don't remember a ton about her. I know she's, uh, uh, uh I'm going to keep it, I'm yeah, going to yeah, keep yeah. it clean. Well, look, I mean, it's, <laughs> to me, it's like Elvira's in the same kind of fan club as Munsters. You got the kind of sure. campy horror sort of genre. Um, you know, it's sort of like creature from the black lagoon. Uh, so Deep Root, the company that is going to make the most pinball machines ever in 2019, uh, probably not going to happen. But what? Not knowing much, do you think Deep Root could be a location player if they if they come out with working versions of John Papaduke's games or have something else that might be enticing? Yeah, man, it's going to, again, come down to theme and cost. You know, if they're putting out cool games that, you know, might not have a, a super attractive IP, then if, if the cost is right and it's a cool game and it's a loaded game, it's something I would definitely consider. Uh, we need we need some fresh stuff on the scene. Um, 
you know, if pricing winds up being in the, uh, you know, the, the American pinball realms and they're not cool themes that are going to draw people to them, I'm going to pass all day right. uh, for at least for location for my home. I don't care. I'm not too concerned for my home about theme. I just love a deep game. Like I played Oktoberfest the other day and honestly, I thought that game was super cool. I thought there was a ton of stuff to do. Um, I was, I was actually really impressed and I, I played that right after I played the Willy Wonka and, you know, at that moment, if I had to pick a game to walk out with, I would have picked the, the Oktoberfest. So that's, it's, it's interesting that within a brewery, and we talked about this earlier, that yep. Oktoberfest isn't an immediate buy. So do you think American Pinball should offer a special sort of sculpt in the game? If you are buying it for a brewery, they will make you like a custom barrel with the brewery name on it. Like something to even personalize it a little bit more for. Oh, they'd kill it if they did a custom translate. If they put the translate of, you know, the, the brewery's logo, they'd, I think they'd sell a lot of games. Right. Which wouldn't be too hard if you think about it. I mean, no, no, nope. you just ask the brewery for their logo, which they'll, they'll already have like vectorized and ready to go. And then you, Print it out and put it in there, and and there you go. You've got a one of one sort of special version for each brewery in America. Boom! I'd be reaching out to breweries but, all day. You, you know, know that hey, sounds we got like special pricing for you guys. That sounds <laughs> wait. That sounds a lot like marketing, which doesn't happen yeah, at yeah. all in pinball. <laughs> Let's just make a one yep. size fits all game and expect everyone to buy it. Yep. No, you're right, man. Look, Oktoberfest uh, is packed. I mean, if people are they're starting to get into homes. Um, people yeah. are starting to experience it. Uh, I still think the artwork is 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 pretty god awful. Uh, but if you can look yeah. past the artwork, you're, it that machine is jam packed for seventy five hundred bucks. Absolutely. The animations I are not great. For you, man. They're not great, but you know there's there's a lot in the game, and that's, that's all I'll say. They, it, look, if that company can improve their animations and their artwork, which sh they should be able to do. Uh, sure. I, you know, I think they can have a, a successful game out there, but I, I don't think this one's going to take off. Um, even though a lot went into it. Yeah. And, and to be honest, man, I wasn't as turned off by the, the animations. It kind of reminded me of like the roller coaster tycoon, old PC game or a Sim city, kind of that overhead view. You're walking around the park it wasn't too bad, to be honest with you, man. I felt like it fit the the theme pretty decently. Walking up to the tent, playing the games, I I was pretty okay with it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, there, so. there. Whenever we watch, this is why pinball streams, I, I think sometimes get you get you looking at stuff that when you actually play a pinball game, you're not staring at that stuff, right? So correct. It's up there. It's not great. It it isn't. But like when you're playing Oktoberfest and you just need to glance up quickly to see what you need to do, it, it does the job of that. And it it actually does it in a way that that I kind of like because it's it's very simple. You know what's going on on the screen. There's not like a ton of sure. stuff to figure out. That being said, yes, it could be more polished than it is. But man, pinball should still be ninety percent under the glass. Absolutely, which takes me back to one of the greatest things I think ever happened was when Highway Pinball had the 
the little monitor, you know, mirroring what was on the LCD between the flippers. I just don't get why no one else has done that. I thought that was awesome, man, because you can't look up all the time and you do lose out on a lot of stuff when you have to look away. And, you know, it's almost an auto drain if you do try and look up when the ball's in play. So I thought that little monitor was super cool embedded in the play field. Right. Yeah, but I mean, people still hold up the Bally Williams games and the games from that era as being, you know, maybe the best pinball we've ever had on planet earth and DMD dots, not a ton on the screen and the dots were used really creatively, but still like if you take away that as being uh, the driving force of telling the story or pulling people through the experience, then you have to put the stuff on the play field, which is why I still think I would rather take, a jam-packed play field of toys and fun stuff versus a highly stylized LCD screen experience, right? I mean, look look at Black sure. Knight. Like, yeah, the animations are great. Yeah, because none of the damn monsters you fight are on the <laughs> play field. So yeah. I have to just No, keep... I, I absolutely agree. After playing that game, I would go I would gladly take a DMD for more on that play field. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you 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 don't feel like you're battling anything other than the Black Knight. And then even so, you don't even bash him. You hit a target in front of him. Wah, wah. Yep. Well, look. Yep. And yeah, I mean, you know, you said it's super disappointing just for not technically being a, a licensed theme. Chris, I got a question for you, man. Hit me. Why are no manufacturers going after a Nintendo license? I know you're in marketing. Is that an expensive license to, to go after? The answer is yes. Nintendo IP is some of the most valuable IP on the planet. Um, These are multi-billion dollar IPs in terms of Mario, Donkey Kong, uh, you know, Zelda. Uh, So they are super expensive. That being said, we've seen them before in pinball, right? So they're not unobtainable. I am very surprised that we have not seen any pinball machines tap into some of the hot video game properties. Now, I would only make a game in which the property itself lent itself to a nice transformation or interpretation by the pinball medium. And I do think Super Mario Brothers would be incredible. Yeah. I mean, think about with the tech that we have nowadays, right? You get the ball goes into the green plumber pipe and goes down into the lower play field. Dun, 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 dun. You know, when you're in a lower yeah. play field, dun, 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 dun. I should just keep yep. making that sound effect every every show, regardless <laughs> of what I'm talking about. But you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think it would be incredible. And it's just, it's, it's expensive. But here's the part that kills me, Neil. Let's say to do that, it's going to cost X hundreds of thousands of dollars. Okay. So if you have to make every machine cost $500 more, but you have the Super Mario Brothers franchise you're making the game on, do mm-hmm. it. Do it. I, Absolutely. It, you know, and, and that's why these companies kill me because they always say, like, well, it's not feasible for us to do that. And then they end up on these, like, mediocre themes, and then they struggle to sell even a 1000 It's It's, like, stupid. Like, you, 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 you raise the price... 500 bucks and you have a theme that people want 5,000 times more than like Oktoberfest. Well, I think you're going to get people who aren't necessarily only pinball, you know, people buying games like that. 
you know, if you throw a Zelda or Super Mario or a Pokemon out there, I think you're going to get those fanboys purchasing it regardless if they have a passion for pinball or not. So I don't Absolutely. know, man. I think uh, if well, a pinball company wanted to get rich real quick, they'd gobble up those IPs and sell them for $10,000 a pop, and I bet you they could do it all day. Well, you you see it at the brewery, and I think a family-friendly brewery I can't even enunciate anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna close the show down. It's, it's. I'm, I'm glad I still have like ten listeners. I'm, I'm not feeling 100 percent people, so st- stay with me. But you see it at the brewery where families are coming in, and that's very much like what might happen when they walk into a distributor and they're looking to buy a pinball machine. And if you want to find a theme that you know the parents who have the money appreciate, but also the kids could get excited about. Nintendo Switch is still really popular. Those IPs are really popular. Uh, yeah, I would, I would definitely think that that is a much smarter move than your children looking at the Munsters or Batman yep. sixty six or Beatles. I mean, Stern's had like four really questionable titles in a row. I have to imagine they need a hit, and they need a hit next. Do you feel like they're too late? That's my concern with not only Jurassic world but with toy story as well are they gonna admit i mean all the jurassic world movies have come out to my knowledge right i don't think there's another one on the horizon right i mean jurassic world aka you know jurassic park that whole universe uh you know look it it has crossover appeal the last jurassic world movies were not as good i would just make this is just me i would just make another a new jurassic park based on the first movie sure. that that is that is the that is the movie that is still the franchise, right? The yep. problem is the license holder probably wants them to make something with the new franchise on it. So you get sure. into that. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't seem to make sense from a marketing standpoint to me because the second movie came out and kind of didn't do tremendously well. I don't know if there's a, a third one on the horizon anytime soon. So it's it seems like bad timing. And then I look at Toy yeah. Story, which is coming out next month, and Jack has no game on the line. I think Toy Story was yep. originally planned. This is like what I'm hearing is Toy Story was originally supposed to be out now for Jersey Jack, but they had the same licensing problems that they had with Pirates, so they delayed it to get it right, hopefully, and that is why Wonka slid in front of Toy Story. Both of them are being worked on by Pat Lawler, so we'll see. Who knows? You I think just, it's going to be a retheme of Dialed In? I keep, you know, it's funny you say that because when I interviewed Jack, he said, like, that's not out of the cards. And if you think about, you know, how can they, you know, get Toys, how, how could it be so far along with also Wonka being far along? If you look at Dialed In, and I, I'm, you know, picture the game in your head right now. How could that game reskin to Toy Story? Like, who would be Electric Bob? Who would be the electric guy going back and forth that you have to bash? Got to be Buzz Lightyear, right? <laughs> but why would you bash Buzz moving back and forth? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It might be like one of the, the aliens from the Crane game, but that doesn't make much sense. Yeah. I, mean, I, I don't think they're going to do it. I, I think that Jack's whole company is built on giving you the most full-featured game experience based on a theme people love. And 
debatable, right, whether or not he's done that on all the different games he's put out there. But definitely he's put more in these games than any other manufacturer in the last, like, eight years since he's been in, in operation. American Pinball is catching up with features, but still has a, some ways to go with art. I'm just nervous. I get nervous whenever I think about JJP because um, I, I think they always come so damn close to just having that hit game. And I want sure. it for them so bad because they're trying so much harder than I think Stern is to make that hit game. But I think Stern is smarter, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. You know, time that, tested man. They're smarter. They, George and Gary, they just know. They just know what it takes. They they know the target better. They know the realities of location play better. They know what the market will bear in terms of how much they can charge. They they kind of know what the ceiling is. They they experiment and test along the way. I mean, Beatles pricing was an experiment. So mm-hmm. was Batman SLE. Everyone sold. You know, yep. I think I was surprised they didn't do any SLE with Star Wars, but they can't even get the damn topper done. Yeah. <laughs> but look at but Stern but Stern is a company where if I could break into George Gomez's office, I bet I bet the next three years of titles are all in works, deals are signed, development is happening. So sure. That, that's how many games, Neil? Like Let's just say an average four a year, five maybe, 15. They have 15 games in a three-year span already in motion. I just hope they get back to what I think they do great, and that's you know good themes. Um, well, up until the last couple, uh, starting with the Monsters, because you know they're, they're truly the ones who I think are going to help to keep pinball surviving if they – they're able to come out with these these titles frequently, getting them into location and getting people excited to play them in. Right. So let me. Um. We're we're near the hour, but I got a few more questions. I give sure. you the marketing power at Stern Pinball. What two themes would you love to see them make? What we talked about. I think Zelda would absolutely kill it, and I think a Super Mario would absolutely just kill it. All right. So two Nintendo. Okay. Yeah. Yep. I yep. hope somebody makes the Matrix. What do you think? Again, man, I think the Matrix is great, but I think it's going to miss the the newer generation. You know, that came out when I was in middle school, um, and you know, I, I remember it, but it just it, it really didn't have that stick to me. And I think it's probably you were what in high school, probably when that came out. Yes, or or like, yeah, yeah. What when did it come out? Like ninety what? I think 97, 90, 98. Okay. So I was a, I was in college. Okay. I think you're right. Look, so, I think, yes, you're going to miss like the kids growing up. But, but I guess the question then is Stern is really. You're never going to satisfy everybody. That's well, the, the problem, man, ultimately. But here's, here's what's crazy. So like Avengers, you could say, well, Stern made Avengers like years ago, but Avengers is the hottest property right now, right? Endgame. Yes. We don't see pinball games anymore closely tied to the hottest relevant stuff happening right now. It's almost like they've made a decision that it's much cheaper to license games that aren't based on the current hot properties. Sure. 
because think about like well the one but that hasn't always been the case right like they they did game of thrones when game of thrones yep. was the hottest show on tv they probably weren't doing as well financially either at that point right but but around that period like i wouldn't really consider like deadpool like a new hot property that's that that's not really the case uh they but they haven't really done much else that's like brand new like they did old star wars not new star wars yep I'm trying to think ghostbusters was old i'm trying to think of the stern games batman 66 aerosmith i mean you know it's not even like contemporary music acts yeah so that is it's going to be interesting because i i, I don't I don't know where they go. Elvira's old. Um, we'll see. Toho, Godzilla, uh, you know. But Godzilla, what do you think about that? Because are the kids into Godzilla these days? You know, man, anytime a movie like that comes out, I think they can get them into that real quick. seems like every time a Godzilla movie came out throughout my lifetime, it was, you know, it was kind of a hot commodity at that point. Action figures galore. That's what all the kids right. wanted. So I think that's kind of one of those generational things that they can just do over and over and over again. But again, there was a Godzilla also. So what was that? Uh, Sega, Sega showcase. Yeah. Did a Godzilla. Yeah. So I'm going to say, going say yeah, I'm probably wrong. And then people are going to be like, you don't know anything about pinball. Kameda. <laughs> Your show's terrible. Uh, I had some guy like email. He went on Reddit and was complaining about the show. As always, he claimed to listen to every show. He says, all these mean things about me. And he's like, and the music mixes are stupid. Like, wow. They can't, people can't even enjoy music anymore on some of these, these, you know, pin side guys. So Neil, yeah. we're at the hour. Let's let the listeners know when, should they just start playing around with pin quests? Like what's, what, what do you recommend they do? Because you've probably got around 2000 plus captive audience, uh, yeah. listening to the show what what what's what's the best way for them to engage with pin quest yeah great question man first of all it's it's going to take the community to help this thing thrive i want everyone to know most importantly that this is truly a passion thing i uh it's by no means uh something i'm trying to make a ton of money off of is just trying to help the the hobby grow get more places playing or more people playing and more places to have location pinball so that being said, hop on our website. So it's www.playpinquest.com. Um, I don't have an active link to the actual app page yet. That'll be launched this weekend. You will be able to get in there and play around. Again, nothing's going to show up in your location if I don't have any locations on board yet. So that's kind of my next uh, my next task. So if you are a location or if you want your location to get on board, on my website, there is a contact us form. We're uh, collecting information for all the locations that have, you know, expressed interest. And when we're ready to, to launch, we'll get everyone set up again with those free trials. Make sure it's a good fit. And, and then we'll go from there. Awesome. Well, Neil, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I extra appreciate you sort of building this thing and giving uh, all of us people out there who love pinball, a, a new way to experience the thing we love. And I, I'm looking forward to it because I think New York City will be a, a great place to experience PinQuest because we have a lot of location play here. And if I can get a free beer or something else just by playing pinball, I think it's a good thing because beer is damn expensive in, in New York City. So, <laughs> And I hey, look forward to, makes, to, to hanging out. location on board already. Yeah. Which one do you have? Can't say yet. Okay. Well, I could guess. <laughs> well, Neil, it was a pleasure. 
and just fun chatting about the hobby. We'll get you back on the show um, in the near future as PinQuest takes off. And always glad to have a new guest on Canada's Pinball Podcast. Just just chatting about the hobby. It's what we love to do. So thank you so much for taking the time. Absolutely, man. I truly appreciate it. Keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, Neil.